Drew Patton and Luke Chase on here with More Than the Name podcast. And today we are joined with Joe Esposito, former Division I basketball coach and the current head coach at Cesar Chavez High School in Arizona. Joe, thanks for joining us today. No problem. And Joe, you just took over the job about a month and a half ago, two months ago. And with COVID, how have you been able to form a culture with your team and form relationships with your players? Well, you know, I've only been able to work with them for two weeks. We got started up for two weeks and I had an opportunity to work them out in the mornings. Um, we were doing 6.30 practice in the morning. I figured I would start a culture right away of, you know, being disciplined, getting there early. Um, the program has been a very, very good program, very, very well known. They've had great players. Number one player in the state played for them last year. Um, but unfortunately, there was a bench brawl uh, during the state tournament last year. There was a bench brawl and um, it was a bad scene. And unfortunately, things have changed. Some players were kicked out of school and so forth and so on. But I'm really coming here to you know, start a new culture to hopefully get these guys to where they want to, be, where they belong. It's a good program. So the first thing I did when I got here was start the early morning practices and it was going really well. We don't have a lot of older guys on the team. We only have one senior, but we have some really good young players that are going to develop. And uh, that's my key was to try to help them develop. After our second week of practice, we were shut down. Um, the whole district shut us down. We couldn't practice football. Nobody could practice. And we're still in that phase right now. So I feel like we got off to a really good start. I'm excited to be here. I think the players are excited to have me here, to have a former college coach. And, you know, the places that I've been to and where I've coached at are really well recognized right now. Like we leave Texas Tech, they go to Final Four. You know, Minnesota is always a contender um, in, the big, in the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, we leave Memphis and everybody knows about Wiseman and Penny Hardaway. And, and then I leave UNLV. So there's a lot of great things. I've been in a lot of great programs. I've been very fortunate. So these guys are excited to have me. And I'm looking forward to coaching these guys and give back to the game of basketball, which I love so much. Sure. And you, know, so you mentioned all those college pit stops that you had. And now you're transitioning to the high school game. Kind of what, what went through your mind when this job kind of came across your desk? And what made you kind of the light bulb go off and say, all right, this is the right opportunity I want to pursue? You know, after having a little year off in Vegas, after UNLV, probably enjoyed a little free time there. And then ultimately jump back in the high school game. Well, you know, for, for me, it's been a it's been a great ride. Over 33 years of coaching, and after we lost a job in Vegas, um, you know, I decided to stay another year. And I worked with ESPN, and I was a basketball analyst for ESPN, which I really enjoyed. The last event that I covered was the WCC tournament, Gonzaga. Um, that was a, really the first tournament they had, uh, conference tournament, and it was the only one they had. After that, everything got canceled. Um, as you can remember, that time in March. They just started canceling tournaments, but I was at the WCC and that was the last event I covered. Um, I enjoyed ESPN. I enjoyed working and, and talking and, and interviewing coaches. And I was doing basically what you guys are doing. I was interviewing, you know, whether it was Tom Izzo we had on the show and we had uh, Fran McCaffrey. I mean, you name it, we had them uh, just from my relationships, but I realized something was missing. I really wanted to coach and there wasn't a lot of movement last year in college basketball. You know, there wasn't a lot of movement. A lot of coaches were actually, because of COVID, I think their jobs were saved. There was a lot of coaches that were in a hot seat. And you really can't evaluate a coach till after the season. They didn't have a conference tournament. They didn't have postseason. How can you really evaluate and fire somebody? I think this year there's going to be a lot of movement um, if the seasons go. But last year wasn't a lot of movement. And I started thinking and really deep down searching what I wanted to do. And uh, I talked to my wife, and I've been moving her all around the country we moved four times in seven years. 
you know, going from Minnesota to Texas Tech to Memphis to, to Vegas now here to Phoenix. And uh, my wife lived in Phoenix years ago. She, she loved living here. So I said, you know, I'm going to look for a job in the Phoenix area. And that's how I found Cesar Chavez. Um, so it was kind of exciting. You know, my feeling is this. I don't care what level you coach at. Coaching's coaching. Um, I feel like this time in my career, I've done all the big things. I've been to the NCAA tournament. I've won championships. I've been a head coach. Um, the thing I want, I'm excited about college, from going from college to high school, is I'm going to be on the other side of the recruiting process. I'm going to be able to sit there and listen to coaches, talk to these young people, and hopefully what I can do is I can give them good advice. Um, I can set them up with programs. If somebody wants to go to a certain program, I pretty much know the majority of the coaches in the country. I can help them with recruiting. And I feel like for me, at my stage in my career, um, it's a way for me to give back to the game I love. So that's basically why I'm coaching here at the high school level. A lot of people say, what are you doing? You're crazy. You can get a college job next year. What are you doing? I look at it as I'm giving back. I'm excited to give back. And I want to see guys develop. And it's going to make me feel good when guys get scholarships and our team contends for a state championship. And, you know, you're on the other side of it now, like you said, but when you were on the college uh, line, you were known as one of the best recruiters in college basketball. So talk about, you know, how did you form relationships with your recruits, but also the ones you didn't get and how many different kids that you met throughout the way? You know, everything is about relationships. You know, it's all about relationships. The jobs you get um, seems like you have to know somebody. Um, it's not about what you know anymore. It's about who you know. And that's the business of coaching. Um, it's about relationships. You know, if I didn't have a relationship with Tubby Smith and he didn't have a relationship with my former boss at the time, Frankie Allen, when I was at Tennessee State, I would have never gotten a chance to work with him for 12 years. So there's always some type of relationship that needs to be built. Recruiting is the same thing. Recruiting is about building relationships, making them feel comfortable, making them trust you, um, going out and recruiting, being fun to talk to, making it exciting. And you got to be persistent. You got to recruit. You got to recruit hard. I mean, you got to get to know their whole family. You got to get to know everything about them. You want to show as much interest as you can as possible. And uh, I realized I was a really good recruiter. All you got to do is look at the picture of my wife and you know I'm a good recruiter. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely outkicked my coverage. But uh, that's all. That's what it's all about, recruiting. And uh, going after the best players in the country and never, not settling. And that's what I was able to do. And I built really good relationships, built relationships with coaches across the country. Um, you know, I just met so many guys. And I'm, I'm so proud of that. The recruiting part of the job is so important. Head coaches are the ones that are making decisions about how to play. Your assistants better be getting you players. Um, and I think that was something that really allowed me to move from Memphis. I'm sorry, from Minnesota, Texas Tech, to Memphis, UNLV, because I had a reputation in recruiting. When I was a head coach, I recruited just as hard as I was an assistant. I enjoy the recruiting. That's one thing I'm going to miss. I miss right now. I enjoy being on the phone with recruits and stuff. But uh, I'm looking forward now to helping these guys get recruited, which is kind of an exciting thing because they're going to learn from somebody that's done it. I was telling a guy last night on the phone, I said, you know, you're skinny. You got to get stronger. You should be doing push-ups every night. Make your arms look bigger because when coaches walk in the gym, they're going to be like, that guy doesn't lift weights. I was telling him just yesterday what I think when I walk into a gym. I was telling the guys the other day, wear white sneakers. Don't wear black sneakers. Like, Coach, why? Because you look slower when you're wearing black shoes. Your feet look slower. When you're wearing white shoes, you look quicker. I used to tell my son that a lot. My son, my oldest son, who you guys probably know, is the slowest guy in America. <laughs> I mean, everybody asked me what kind of baseball player he was. I used to say, he's slow good. That's how he is. He's slow. 
<laughs> if you want to look quicker, wear white shoes. So all of these little things that I can give these guys that will get them to be recruited harder, be recruited more, I'm going to give to them and give back. And that's what I love to do. Definitely. And so you mentioned relationship building and all that, how you, that kind of advances your career. So how did a former college football player with no collegiate basketball background kind of get into the coaching world uh, from the start? You know, who gave you that first opportunity? How did that first opportunity come about? And kind of what made you want to get into it uh, at the beginning? Well, you know, it'll be a lot harder nowadays than it was when I was coming in. I was coming into business in the 80s. And right now it's even harder because what you're dealing with now is you're dealing with a lot of former NBA players you know, when you look at guys that have gotten jobs like Penny Hardaway at Memphis, Juwan Howard at Michigan, um, Stackhouse at Vanderbilt, these guys are getting jobs and they've never coached a day in their life. They may have coached some high school or maybe not even high school. They may have never coached, but they're getting a job on their name and about who they are. And guys are getting jobs because who they played for. You know, if you play in the Rick Patino, you know, teams, or you played for John Calipari, or you played for whoever it may be that's hot right now, you got a chance of getting a job. Chris Beard, pretty hot name right now in Texas Tech, and some of his guys have gotten jobs. So when you look at it that way, it's hard, uh, harder now than it was when I was there. Me, I wanted to be a basketball coach. Ever since I was little, I wanted to be a basketball coach. And everybody thought I was crazy. I definitely do not look like a basketball court, a coach. I don't like a basketball court either, but I don't <laughs> look like a basketball coach. You know, short, fat, didn't play college basketball. How is this going to relate? I remember my parents thinking I was crazy uh, when I told them that I wanted to be a coach. And for me, it was about just pursuing, building relationships, going to clinics, always being a student of the game. Um, And I I say this to young people all the time. You don't want to dream any little dreams. You want to dream big dreams. You always want to have your mindset. If you want to do something in life, you can do it. You just got to put your mind to it and do everything you can to be successful. You're going to have some hard times. The first job I took coaching college basketball was at Assumption College. And in order for me to live, I had to live in the dorm. So I lived in the dorm. I was a dorm director. And I believe I made $12,000. That was the first job that I ever did. And I was working in the dorm. You know, I was making sure kids were not doing wrong things and dorm monitor and you name it. I remember one kid came in my room one time. He said, I just went to the bathroom and it came out green. I was like, what kind of job do I have? I mean, what kind, of, what kind of job is this? I mean, some weird stuff happens to you when you're a dorm director. But I knew that that was a start. And from there, I started off as a GA. I got my master's degree. I moved up to be an assistant. I moved up to be an associate head coach. And then by the time I left Assumption College, I was a head coach. So it's all about being persistent, keeping your dreams out there, working hard, and you can achieve anything. And uh, I really believe that. And that's basically how I got my career going. And, and that's where I am today. And when you walk into these interviews, you know, you've been to a few different schools. How do you get them to believe in you? Well, you know, there's a lot of interviews you don't actually walk into as far as interviews for assistance job. Like Tubby never interviewed me. I mean, he picked up the phone. I actually took a job at Cal State Riverside for two days. <laughs> um, I took the job for two days and then Tubby called. And there was no way I was going to stay at Riverside. I was going to go to Minnesota with Tubby Smith, even though um, I felt terrible about it. But at the time, the coach at Riverside was Jim Woolridge, super guy. And um, I was very, very fortunate that he was all in favor of me going with Tubby. It was a no-brainer for me at the time. Tubby just left Kentucky, was a national championship coach, one of the most well-known coaches in the country. So that's basically how I got the job. And I really never interviewed. I never interviewed for any of those jobs. 
Um, I actually interviewed for Cesar Chavez probably harder than any other interview I had to go through. It was a long process. They, they ran me through the ringer. I had to go meetings and Zooms and, you know, with the social uh, distancing stuff that you couldn't do in-person meetings. So but I think when you're interviewing, you got to show enthusiasm. I think you got to show that you're the man for the job. You got to show that you're excitable. You know, I always have this hashtag BAM, BAM, building a monster. That's what I've always been about, trying to build the best program possible. I took that BAM to Texas Tech, and it really stuck. There was fans starting to yell at holding signs. I took it to Memphis. There was articles written in Memphis. We signed the best recruiting class in the league two years in a row in Memphis. And uh, I really wasn't able to take it to UNLV because I was kind of going in there late. And uh, Marvin Menzies, the head coach at the time, he he wasn't into the BAM. But uh, (laughs) I'm bringing it back at Cesar Chavez. Matter of fact, today I saw the principal and he said, aren't you going to build this monster? I said, well, I'm trying. I said, I'm trying to build this monster, but I got to get the kids on the floor before I can start building anything. So my point is you want to come across an interview as being very energetic. You want to be very passionate about it. And that Cesar Chavez is my Kentucky. It's my Duke. I'm coaching these guys just like I would if I was a head coach at Kentucky. So it's basically what it's about and giving back to the game. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do. And you mentioned Tubby Smith. Uh, you know, we kind of, you kind of glossed over him because you're, you know, friends with him. But anyone to the basketball, I mean, he's a behemoth in the, in the industry. So you got to go in there, you know, probably didn't have a strong relationship with him at, at the start. You know, you got him, you know, referral almost. And he called you and he said, okay, you know, come on. So how did that, you go into Minnesota new kid on the block. How did that relationship kind of build over time and earn his trust? And ultimately, you know, he took you with him, you know, wherever he went, you know, so with, with Tubby, the first time I met him, I picked him up at the airport to bring him to a golf tournament. We were in Tennessee. I was working at Tennessee state. We were having a golf tournament. He just won a national championship in Kentucky. And I picked him up at the airport and I brought him to the golf tournament. And that's how we really originally met. And from there we built a relationship. Tubby Smith is one of the best college basketball coaches to ever coach this game. He's an icon. There's only been three African-American coaches that have won national championships. We lost one yesterday, John Thompson. John Thompson was one of them, Tubby Smith and Nolan Richardson. Those are the three guys that have won national championship. So there's only two alive right now. Oh, I'm sorry. There's actually four. Damon Ali. Didn't he win a national championship at UConn? Kevin Ali. Kevin Ali. My bad. Yeah, Kevin Ali. So there's actually three right now alive because we lost John Thompson. Um, so anyway, you know, there's an opportunity there for Tubby just to represent, to do a great job. And I can't tell you, he is the best man, um, you could be around. He's a great father figure. He's a great husband. He was a great coach. Um, I love the guy to death. He was like my second father. Um, you know, my dad went through Alzheimer's. I lost my dad last November. And every time I want to talk to somebody about it, I always would call Tubby. Um, he's always been there for me. He's just a fantastic guy. And you know, sometimes I wonder why I didn't go with him to High Point. Um, but I wanted to have that dream of living in Vegas. I wanted to coach UNLV. I always said that UNLV was one of my dream schools. And that's basically why I went there. And plus, one of my best friends in the business, Marvin Menzies, was working there. I turned him down two years before. He wanted me to come there and be his associate head coach at UNLV. And I took the Memphis job instead because I was not going to leave Tubby for all that he did for me. And I wanted to be with him. But he is an icon in the business. He's a Hall of Fame coach. And he's someone that can – he does it the right way. We never cheated. I can tell you from, from – we never cheated. Whether we would take a loss 
He didn't care. We're not going to compromise. We're never going to cheat. We're never going to cheat for a recruit. If you walk into a recruit's home and he's asking about what he's going to get, and they're kind of leaning towards, well, what, what am I going to get? Am I going to get, you know, what extra benefits am I? Coach would look at him and say, you're going to get an education. You're going to work, come, come to a great school. You're going to work and be part of a great program. That's all you're getting. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, that's going to be any value, we're moving on to the next guy. So we've lost recruits like that before. But Tubby was a fantastic role model for me, a guy I love to death. And I'm just proud that I was able to, you know, work with him. When I got to Minnesota, you asked about what that was like. I mean, it was tough. I had to earn my stripes. I remember the first day I was on a job, he asked me to go wash his car. <laughs> and I remember calling my friend. I'm actually, I was texting my friend. And by accident, I text Tubby. I said, Can you believe I'm washing Tubby Smith's car? And he never to this day has made a comment about reading that text. The good thing is he gets so many text messages, maybe he never saw it. <laughs> but I thought it was pretty ironic that the first thing I did while I was on a job was wash Tubby Smith's car. And then from there, we became really close. We worked together for 12 years. And I'm one of the guys that worked with him longer than anybody uh, in his career. And that's, I'm really proud of that. I mean, you, you watched his car. That's almost paying your dues. So talk about the grind going into it at the beginning for any job. And, you know, no job is too big. No job is too small for anyone in coaching or whether they're working in sales or anything. Sure. Well, you know, when I first started, I was a high school coach, Roosevelt High School. And I remember Coach Dwayne Davis was now passed, one of the great coaches, high school coaches in New York. And he would make me wipe the floor. He would make me do so many different things because he – and he would do the same thing. He was never – a guy that would just tell you to do something. He was a guy that would say, hey, you got to pay your dues. And I paid my dues. I mean, I paid my dues all the way through. Even when I was a head coach at Angelo State, I can remember driving from Texas to California to go see recruits. I mean, the miles you put on the road. I remember sleeping in the car and not being not able to afford a hotel room, you know, brushing your teeth and rest stops, changing in the car. I mean, all the things you would do, um, you know, because you had no choice. You just didn't have the money or the budget like some of these big schools do. I'm going to tell you this, the higher the level I was at, the easier it was. The job was easier. seems kind of weird to say that, but it's the facts. When I was at Memphis, we had private planes. If I want to go see a kid in Georgia, I would get on a FedEx plane and go there and see him. They have all the snacks on the plane. It was the owner's plane or whatever, Fred Smith and Tubby and I would hop on it. I'd eat some Oreo cookies and some Cheez-Its and I'd be at the game. <laughs> I mean, that's basically how easy it was. When I was at Assumption College, I want to go see a kid in California. I'm driving 17 hours. So that's, that's what I call paying your dues. You know, guys nowadays, they all want to be division one. They all want to be head coaches, pay your dues. And I always say this in any job you're doing, take care of the job you have. If you're always thinking about the next job, you're never going to be successful. I really believe if you take care of the job you have, you will get recognized. You will become well-known and you will do a good job. And then someone's going to find you pretty much every job I've gotten has because of a reference or somebody knew me or something like that, because I did a good job where I was before. And if you leave one job, you always want to leave it in, in better hands than, than you, than you got it. Like we got fired at Minnesota that year. We went to the third round of the NCAA tournament and won 26 games, the best record in 20 years. That's a joke. We left that program in great hands. The next year, they go to the, the they win the NCA, uh, they win the NIT championship, and then they kind of pummeled from there. When we left Texas Tech, we took over a program four years, last place four times in a row, four coaches in four years. We get in there, we take them to the NCAA tournament. The next year they're in the Elite Eight, the next year in their Final Four. Um, same thing with Memphis. 
we get them to the semifinals of the tournament. They end up going to the uh, NIT the following year. We've left every program in better hands, in better shape. And I think that's important. And that's important for anybody in any profession. You mentioned, you talked about kind of, you know, the, the higher the job, the easier it was. And then the grit and grind of lower end jobs. But all in all, you know, there's sacrifices along the way. So you, you talk about, you mentioned moving around too with your wife, but, you know, having three kids, having a family and a stepdaughter, you know, four total kids um, bounce around the country and they're in college, different places. You talk about some, you know, maybe some sacrifices that comes with the job uh, while raising a family. Yeah, coaching is definitely a job that you got to sacrifice and you've got to marry somebody that understands coaching. Um, I was fortunate, you know, my wife, uh, you know, her, her dad was a coach. He was a pastor in Minnesota, but he also coached and he loved coaching. He loved sports. He actually played basketball in Minnesota with Lou Olson. Uh, Lou Olson passed away about a week ago too. And they were backcourt mates and both in the hall of fame. Um, my, my brother-in-law's coach. Um, one of them is a high school coach at Roseville high school right now, hockey coach. And uh, my other brother-in-law uh, coached in the semi pros and AHL and all that stuff. So I've been around guys that have coached. My wife was, I should say. So she understood about coaching and moving, and she was good with that. Um, it's hard in a family. It's definitely hard in a family moving around the country, and it's hard in your kids. I moved my son Jordan and my daughter Harmony when they were juniors in high school. They just finished their sophomore year. Both of them were really successful athletically. Um, they were both doing really, really well. And then they moved to places that were maybe a little bit better talent-wise. I mean, my son um, was playing first base and pitching in, in Minnesota, and he wins the state championship as a sophomore. He goes to Texas, and he's a pitcher only. Um, you know, it's a just different kind of level, mm-hmm. um, which was fine. But then he gets to college, and because of all that pitching, he blows out his arm, and he goes downhill from there. My daughter, same thing, her, her career. So they have to be resilient. Your kids go through so much. Um, but I also believe this, all four of my kids, I think are stronger because they've always had to fight. They've always had to change jobs. They change places when I change jobs, they had to meet new friends. They got friends all over the country. For example, my son goes to college in Virginia and now he's back in Minnesota working full time and he's around all his buddies, um, and all of his buddies that he made friendships with when he was younger. Um, so I think it's kind of cool. Um, I, I personally like moving. I think it's fun. I think it's great to, you know, learn different areas. And, you know, I'd be bored at one place my whole life. I can't believe some people live one place their whole life. For me, that's hard to think about. But I have enjoyed it. And I know it's tough on a family. And uh, when you get married, you better make sure you let your wife know that uh, we're going to be moving, especially if you plan on moving up the ladder. And there's so many great coaches that stay. Like there's high school coaches that are great coaches that could coach at the college level but don't want to leave their job, don't want to leave their tenure, their security, whatever it may be. Sure. And I think, you know, you talk about your kids being tough. I think that's a direct result of your youngest daughter on a wrestling scholarship. Now she took that all that thing and turned it on to the, you know, aggression on the mat and, you know, made herself an athlete. And now she's uh, now going to college for it. So I think that's a testament to everything involved that you just said, you know, and, and that, to be honest with you, is one of the craziest stories ever. <laughs> how my daughter Shay became a wrestler. I'll tell you the funniest thing. She really wasn't into sports. Um, you know, she tried basketball, she tried soccer, she tried volleyball. She really wasn't into sport too much. When she went to high school, they could be a manager for a team. And if they're a manager, they don't have to take PE. They don't have to take, take physical education. Mm-hmm. So she became a manager and they assigned her to women's wrestling. So she gets assigned to women's wrestling. And one day during the semester, the coach is like, we're short somebody. Shay, you've been through all the drills. Why don't you go out there with the girls? So she does. She say, seems to like it. 
Well, she calls me up on the phone and she says, dad, she says, I think I'm going to be joining the wrestling team. I said, what? <laughs> I said, the wrestling team, are you nuts? I said, you're going to roll around a mat with some sweaty girl. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And she said, no, dad, I want to be a wrestler. I said, man, you're crazy. I said, we'll talk about it later. I hang up the phone. <laughs> I walk down the hallway at Memphis and I walk into Tubby Smith's office. And I told this story during Shay's signing. I walked down the office and I said to Tubby, I say, Shay just called me, coach, and she wants to wrestle. And coach looks at me and goes, he always does this. Here, this is what he does. He has his glasses. Now, you can't see this on the podcast, but you guys can see it. He takes his glasses, he tilts them down like this, and he looks at you to the top of his glasses, and he said, I think that's great. I said, what do you mean that's great, coach? He's going to be rolling around, touching girls, sweaty. He goes, it'll be great for her self-esteem. It'll be great for competitiveness. It'll be great for motivation. It'll be great for her as a person. Definitely let her do it. I went back to my office. I called Shay. Two years later, she's in the state tournament as a wrestler. Awesome. That's Pretty cool story. And, you know, Joe, where can people follow you on social media, follow your journey with coaching and your TikToks? <laughs> TikToks, I don't know about, but as far as my Twitter and stuff, it's coach <laughs> underscore Esposito. And uh, you can search me on Cesar Chavez High School. And if anybody's out there that wants to talk about careers or coaching or advice about how to break a 212 press or whatever it may be, I'm always open. But I have another avenue you can follow me on, and that's on YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel called Cooking with Keto Joe, the coach that cooks. And during the pandemic, I was bored out of my mind, and I kept gaining weight. I'm eating McDonald's. I'm eating Burger King, Popeye's. I had to get on a diet. I actually did really well until we moved. And now I got to get back on as soon as my wife gets back here on Thursday from Minnesota because we had a funeral to attend. Her mother, unfortunately, passed. So I have a cooking channel called the Search on YouTube, Coach That Cooks. And you can see a bunch of fun videos of me cooking. But if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm one of those guys that will definitely respond. I will answer any questions, how I can help, help your team whatever it may be, definitely get a hold of me. And What's the best easy, recipe? Easy on a, hey, easy on a TikTok. <laughs> That's private I mean, only. I'm having, I'm having some fun with those TikToks, but I'm, hor- <laughs> I'm horrible at it. <laughs> and what's, what's the best recipe you've got so far with cooking with Coach? You know, there, there's so many. Uh, the Coach That Cooks. The oh, coach coach that cooks. <laughs> you get it right. Keto Joe, The Coach That Cooks. <laughs> um, my best recipe uh, the grilled cheese is pretty good. You know, trying to make bread with no carbs using almond flour is kind of cool. But I do make some mean, like, big – I take a whole fish. He's got his eyeballs and everything right there. And I cook him in the oven with a, with a Brussels sprout in his mouth. I'm telling you, go on there, watch my videos, and I'll be getting monetized real soon. <laughs> well, I hope you bring that passion to the court when you're ready to practice and you guys are going, <laughs> going places. Well, you, you know I will. And I'm, I'm so excited to have an opportunity to work with young men. And everything I do, I go full board. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that goes full board whatever I do. I really pride myself on that. I hope I can carry that over to my players, my former players. And hearing stories about how my players have grown through the years. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to have one of my former players uh, work with me as Cesar Chavez, my JV coach. And that's exciting because that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. This whole business of teaching, coaching, is all about helping young people develop. And as you see them grow and develop, there's nothing better. 
And Joe, you know, we just want to thank you here for joining us on More Than The Name podcast and best of luck this upcoming season. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Anytime, if you want me to come back, I'm always good for a repeat. Oh boy, all right. We'll see about that. After you win the state championship, we'll have you back. All right, that's fair enough. (laughs) Thank you.